You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Today's reading is from the Sufi poet Hafiz. Like the morning breeze. Like the morning breeze, if you bring to the morning good deeds, the rose of our desire will open and bloom. Go forward and make advances down this road of love. In forward motion, the pain is great. To beg at the door of the wine house is a wonderful alchemy. If you practice this, soon you will be converting dust into gold. O heart, if only once you experience the light of purity, like a laughing candle, you can abandon the life you live in your head. But if you are still yearning for cheap wine and a beautiful face, Don't go out looking for an enlightened job. Hafiz, if you are listening to this good advice, the road of love and its enrichment are right around the corner. The road of love, light of enrichment are right around the corner. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, or in Arabic, and I will say it probably very badly, Bismillahirrahman, Mirahim. Probably the most recognizable line of the Holy Quran. The text held sacred by the over 1.9 billion Muslims worldwide. It's a text that many Muslims will read during the month, the holy month of Ramadan, which starts in just a few short days. It's a season in Islam where they reflect on community, their faith, fast from sunrise to sunset, and celebrate together. Ramadan, as you heard earlier, is one of the five pillars of Islam. Muslims are expected to observe it every year. Now, it's based on the lunar calendar, so Muslims across the world experience it in a variety of seasons. No location or climate is favored. No one is privileged. All must observe whether it falls during the hottest months or the coldest months. It commemorates the first revelation of the Quran to the prophet Muhammad and the full revelation of the text over the ensuing month. Islam even states that all Holy Scripture, the Torah, the Gospels, and the Quran were revealed during the month of Ramadan. Now, knowing what we know about how scriptural canons were actually developed, this claim is a matter of faith. I find it to be a beautiful sentiment. Imagine a month so holy in this world that all the great truths were revealed during it. What a thing to celebrate. (laughs) Now, I've read the Quran a couple times. Depending on who you ask, though, I may have never read it, since some claim it must be read in Arabic for it to even be read. So in that spirit, I've read the English translation of the Quran a couple times. Now, Islam has a unique place in my heart, but also a complicated one. I'm an older millennial. 
And so I experienced a defining moment in my teenage years when the September 11th, 2001 attacks by fundamentalist extremists were felt around the world. Now, chose my language carefully there, fundamentalist extremists. But we all know what ensued from that moment. A dialogue around Islam in general captivated the world. And I really wish it was a beautiful dialogue, and I'm sure there were some beautiful moments to it. But from the United States government to local communities, Islamophobia and bigotry were quite loud during that time. Fast forward to today, and several Western nations are still debating the role of Islam in their societies. And they try to, and sometimes succeed, in banning headscarves and other observances. Meanwhile, many nations where Islam is the majority religion, mm -hmm. as in much of the world, are experiencing a rightward shift. The cultural turmoil is not just here. Now, I know I've shared in the past with you, I've had an intensive study when I was in college in Turkey, specifically the study of Rumi and Sufi mysticism. It is indeed something to be in the presence of hundreds of Muslims joining together in the rhythm of prayer five times a day. To watch as shopkeepers say, hold on, and school children and so many others pause their day as the call of prayer is sounded out from the minarets across the cities and villages and landscapes of Turkey. From the bustling vibrancy of Istanbul to the tiny villages of Cappadocia, being immersed in a completely different rhythm of life, one that permeated everything, was quite an experience. It does break my heart to see what's happening in Turkey. When I was there, it was just beginning. During the height of the pandemic, remember those days? It seems like a blur. I decided to read and reread a bunch of world scriptures. I started with the Bible. Since then, there's been several others, including the Quran. I'd forgotten how challenging of a text it is. Has anyone ever read the entirety of the Quran? Oh, one? All right. Any who, who didn't want to raise their hand? Okay. <laughs> Were you challenged by it? There we go. I think it's helpful to know a few things about the text, if you didn't already. First, it was received as a revelation, not on paper, but orally. As the story goes, after the Prophet Muhammad died, the first caliph gathered together the remaining followers of Muhammad who had memorized the Quran to finally write it down. He did this very practically because several of those followers had been recently killed during the battle, during the Rita Wars. Now, can you imagine our cultural legacy is one death away from it disappearing, right? We have to do something. There was an urgency for that first caliph. Now the Quran is a challenging text to read, but to hear it, and I think we should hear a little bit of it. Here's the opening surah of the Quran. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 
a similar cadence throughout the entirety of the text. Unlike the Christian scriptures, the Quran begs to be heard, sung, recited, memorized, like you'd memorize a hymn from our hymnals. And it's not just meant to be heard by yourself. In other words, the Quran and so much of Islam is meant to be experienced in community. In our own Unitarian Universalist tradition with roots in Puritan Protestantism, there was an emphasis on individual experience. And we see how that can manifest into something destructive with the fundamentalisms of today. Now, I'm not saying Islam is perfect. Nothing is. Nothing ever is. But its focus on communal, religious, and spiritual life is interesting to me. Reading the Quran, that becomes evident in the text. And I'll admit, in reading this, I struggled. I did. I struggled with how much it mentions, because I'm a good universalist, hellfire and damnation. More than the Hebrew and Christian scriptures combined, but almost always, right after it mentions hellfire and damnation, there's a mention of paradise. Noticing that helped me. It doesn't solve the struggle, but it helps understand the mindset. So many of the stories that are present in the Hebrew and Christian scriptures are mentioned in the Quran, such as Abraham and Isaac, Noah and the ark, Jonah and the big fish. Jonah is mentioned quite a lot. The birth of Jesus and so on. But they're mentioned in a way that doesn't give you all the details because these stories were told together in community, from memory, around campfires and in homes on long journeys and in marketplaces. One of my favorite surahs in the Quran is also one of its shortest. It's Surah 103, Al-Ashr, the decline of time. By the decline of time, indeed, humankind is in a condition of utter loss, except for those who believe and do righteous deeds and exhort one another to uphold the truth, to persevere in faith and patience. It suggests something interesting to me. At the end of all things, when humankind feels it has lost everything, what remains is righteousness, truth, patience, faith. Or as I would put it, hope. Hope endures. Always. And part of that hope enduring is community. We are facing a great many endings and transitions as a species. The climate crisis is one of them. It's not coming, it's here. And while we may not be impacted completely yet in Kentucky, our time will come. The stresses and threats to global democracies, including our own, the threats faced by the LGBTQ community and women in this country, all in the name of someone else's religious beliefs. The struggles against wokeness, which conservatives and yes, even progressives are fighting against. We are in a time where several things are declining, ending, struggling, fighting. But what can endure? Righteousness, truth, 
patience, faith, and hope. And we can do so in community. Being in community asks something of each of us, though. It asks us to get over ourselves a little. That's the blunt way of putting it. I know I struggle with that. Sometimes in community, if only, if only we could just get our way. <laughs> It'd be so much easier. <laughs> a lot of us have been there, right? It's not just churches, it's families. It's anywhere human beings are gathered. <laughs> but we're asked to surrender a little, to submit to the web of relationships. And I feel that this is a gift of Islam to us, Unitarian Universalists. The idea of submitting ourselves to a cause higher than our own opinions, our own egos, our own preferences. As Unitarian Universalists, our history has quite an individualistic streak. But we would fool ourselves to think that we are entirely independent. Our seventh principle reminds us that everything is connected. Everyone is connected. We must temper our individualism with that knowledge. In other words, our congregations just aren't about you or me. It's about the people sitting next to you. It's about those who've left us, those yet to join us, and yeah, you too. The call on that is not to gloss over our own feelings, right? But really to make peace with the mess, the mess of humanity, the mess that is church. Because why we are here <laughs> means the mess can be a beautiful thing. And the mess that distracts us from our purpose need not consume our thoughts. Why we are here is far more important than any building, mission, statement, principle, committee, and so on. Why we're here is so much important than those things. We are here because we've committed ourselves to the mess of community, a free-thinking and welcoming community of human beings on a shared journey. And nowadays, what's happening in Frankfurt, we must be ready to become a community of resistance to. All of that is so much more than me, you, it's us, the great we of people who share our values. Now in Islam, the name literally means submission. Islam submits to Allah. And I have seen the peace that that brings people on a pilgrimage to Konya, to the tomb of the Sufi mystic Rumi, I watched as people were brought to tears, bathing themselves in the water of the fountains at the tomb. It brings great peace, and that can be a beautiful thing. But I've also seen how sub such submission, no matter what you believe, can be twisted and turned into something evil. What we you use, we would probably call that an idolatry of the mind. Believe it or not, our principles can be an idolatry of the mind when they disconnect us rather than connect us in community. Just as Allah or Muhammad or Jesus or Rome or yes, even some Buddhists, idolatries of the mind can be everywhere. Jack is laughing over there because he knows the divisions in Zen communities. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. <laughs> But I'm interested in those who submit their lives and on today in Islam and do good. 
who serve needs greater than their own, who seek to share that peace, compassion, and wholeness they discover with others, no matter who they are or what they believe. And this season of Ramadan that is about to unfold calls Muslims around the world to reflect on themselves and their community. Every sinner and saint fasting together. And when you see the joy that emerges in Islamic communities when they break the fast together, celebrating their faith and realizing the importance of community, don't you want that too? That joy in a world that is struggling, that joy amidst everything we are dealing with and yet to deal with, it is through that act of submission, this vulnerability of the individual to admit they need community, that that joy is discovered for our Muslim siblings this time of year. I want that joy for us too. We've had it, we experience it, it's here. The energy and wonder of this community emerging from the pandemic is a thing to behold. Don't let anyone tell you this community is not one of joy, because it is, and we can increase that. And more joy awaits. And I would contend it requires us to be vulnerable first. We need not submit in the way our Muslim friends do or anyone else does. We can only do that as Unitarian Universalists. That, that's a, leads to a funny question. What does a Unitarian Universalist submission and vulnerability look like? Submission is a hard word. Not just for UUs, but for Americans, for the West, for the world. I struggle with that word. As someone who's UU through and through, what do you mean submit to what? How dare you? I'm not submitting. <laughs> now, I often don't dissect words in sermons, but I had a quick flash of insight when I saw the word submission shares a root with the verbs to sink to lower, to let down. Not let down as in disappoint, but let down as in like, let down your hair or let down your guard. I felt that, knowing that, led me to a UU way of submission, of vulnerability. Submission for Unitarian Universalists is the act of letting down our guard. The protective shell we Westerners love to put around our hearts, our minds, our innermost selves. To let down those walls and barriers and shells and be ourselves freely. To move through this world as authentically as possible. To let the barriers down so that we can heal from our wounds. Because you can't heal if the medicine can't get to you in the first place. Whatever that medicine might be. Submission for us is the act of lowering ourselves off of the pedestals of our own making. Another Western challenge. I say this knowing the irony that I am literally one step above the congregation right now. <laughs> but it is not a step of superiority, not in the least. We are called to lower ourselves from the allure of the ego, those idolatries of the mind we talked about that call to us so sweetly. They promise us that we are the most important person and we have all of the answers. And if we get even a whiff of contradiction, we are threatened and we'll fight. Realizing we are one interdependent humanity instead reminds us of that great calling to justice, to community, to wholeness, to healing. And finally, submission for us is the act of sinking. The kind of sinking I'm imagining is not like the Titanic. <laughs> but more like the sinking you feel when you're enveloped in your favorite comforter, a couch, a moon pod, or a beanbag chair, a puffy coat, 
the kind of sinking that envelops you. In the words of the poet Marge Piercy, words that are in our hymnals, I want to be with people who submerge, sink in the task, who go into the fields to harvest and work in a row and pass the bags along, who are not parlor generals or field deserters, but move in a common rhythm. That is the sinking, the submerging, the submission we are called to. No parlor generals or field deserters. The two have more in common than you think in churches. But folks submerging in our shared calling, a calling greater than we can imagine. You need only look at what's happening in our commonwealth to know we are called to submerge in the task. So there, that kind of submission, I feel is the greatest gift we can learn from Islam. They do it differently than we do, but we can still observe and share and learn and figure out what that looks like for us. In the poem we heard from the Sufi mystic Hafiz, we see a beautiful image of submission and submergence. Oh heart, if only you experience the light of purity once, like a laughing candle, you can abandon the life you live in your head. Or in other words, get out of your heads and submerge yourselves in community in the task submerge yourself in this life of ours. And so for this call to submerge, to submit, to enter into that interdependent web of community, may it be so. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.